Barbara was 10 years old. She was full of joy, and, and every day she would come home from school, and she would dream of what Christmas could be like. She would find herself sitting there dreaming of what it would be like to have fancy presents under the tree, delicious treats to eat. She would dream of what Christmas could be. She dreamed of that Christmas morning breakfast, you know, the big one with all the sausage and the bacon and the eggs and, oh man, you can't forget mom's homemade bread. Barbara would sit there dreaming of these moments day after day after day. But those moments seemed to never happen. No, Barbara would sit there in the morning actually eating her Johnny Cakes. Yeah, Johnny Cakes. They were corn meal pancakes. You see, they were the cheapest thing around. And times were tough. She was growing up in what would be known as the Great Depression. Her dad tried to find work. He would work all these various odds and end jobs. Mom worked hard as well. She would mend their clothes. She would make meals out of very little, many times not even eating herself. She would look at her brothers and say, boys, eat up so you can be big and strong like your father. As Barbara would get ready for the day, she would find herself at school. She would continue to dream. But the dream that was unfolding in her mind was a dream of Joan's house. That's right, Joan was her friend. Her friend would always talk about the lavish presents that were around their tree and the meals that her family would have. Sometimes she would bring in candy for Barbara. She would share it with her and would share even toys. You see, Joan's parents were the wealthiest family in town. Being friends with Joan did have its ups and downs. From the candy to the toys to just being around her had its ups. But then there were times where she was very cruel, making fun of Barbara and making her feel ashamed of herself. But still, Barbara remained friends with Joan. One day after school, Barbara came home and she heard her mother calling to her from the spare room. As she walked in, she found a table covered with, well, things that many would say were junk. Her mom looked at Barbara and said, we're going to make presents for the family. Barbara thought to herself, how can we do that with just all of this? But yet they took the Epsom salt and they colored it and placed it in bottles that her mom had found. They took scraps of velvet and transformed ordinary boxes into jewel boxes. It was a surprise for Grandpa for his stick pins. They cut out paper ornaments and shapes and figures and to place them on the tree. They spent hours in that spare little room after school. For a week every day after school, they would make the gifts together and laugh and giggle. For a moment, Barbara seemed to forget about the dream that she was having until one day she came home from school. 
This day she seemed worried, her mother thought. Her mom noticed that something was different. In fact, this day Barbara didn't even come into the spare room. What's wrong, her mother asked. Oh, mom, today Joan was bragging about the blue room that they have at their home. The blue room is for guests. Joan asked me if we had a blue room in our home, and I told her no. And she said, well, where do the guests go? To which I replied, they don't come very often. Mom, she began to make fun of me and laughing at me, and finally something dwelled up inside of me, and I said, well, we have something you don't have. We have a Christmas room. Barbara shuffled her feet and said, Mom, I didn't mean to fib, but you should have seen the look on her face. She was so surprised. She didn't know what to say. But I failed. We don't have any fancy room. We don't have a Christmas room. Barbara's mom put her arm around her and said, But honey, you're not fibbing. We do have a Christmas room. We've been in there every day after school. But let's make it official. Her mom guided her back into the room and they sat down and made a sign that read the Christmas room. They took that handmade sign and placed it on the door. And it seemed as soon as they placed it upon the door, there came a knock. Barbara went to go see who it was, only to find Joan standing at the door. Hello, she said. I was wondering if I could see the Christmas room. Oh no, Barbara thought to herself. She's going to expect it to be all fancy, and she, it won't be what she expects. And up there, her mother stepped in and said, Well, Joan, if you want to see the room, you have to make one promise. A promise, Joan said. Yes, a promise to not share the secrets of the Christmas room. Why, Joan's eyes lit up, and she said, oh, I promise. At that, Barbara's mom led the girls to the Christmas room past the homemade sign. Joan began looking at all the treasures around the room. She loved the paper figures and ornaments that had been cut out, and she began to smile from ear to ear. She saw the miniature presents that were sitting by the small tree. She saw the colored salts and the fancy boxes. She picked one of the boxes up, inquiring who it was for. Barbara said, well, that's a surprise. That's for my grandpa. Joan's smile quickly began to fade. We don't have any surprises, she said, in our home. Barbara was confused. She said, do you peek? <laughs> nope. They ask me what I want, Joan said, and, and they get it. Barbara's mom said, well, do you want to make a surprise for your parents? Why, yes, please, said Joan. And as they sat there at the table, they began to create a present for her family. The whole week after school, Joan would come to the Christmas room. One day, they asked Joan if she wanted to help decorate the tree with the colored popcorn that they had popped and the paper ornaments that had been made. 
Yes, 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 she said. I've always wanted to decorate a tree. You see, I can't decorate the tree because mom's afraid I may break something. That afternoon, they laughed and they ate popcorn and decorated the tree. Nothing fancy, just popcorn strung on a string and paper ornaments. After the tree was all decorated, Joan put the final touches on the gift that she had made. She knew her parents would be surprised. Barbara sat there thinking to herself, I've always wanted Joan's Christmas, she said. But yet, she sees things a little differently. Why, I thought this Christmas would definitely be a fail. But yet, the Christmas room, as simple as it is, has really helped me and others see Christmas differently. She thought of the ordinary stuff that they had made into extraordinary gifts. And she realized that maybe Joan wasn't too different than her as she thought. Maybe Joan desired the same things she did. But all she had to do was see things a little different. You know, it's interesting when I think about this Christmas season and I relate to someone like Barbara. You see, we all have different things and expectations that we hold to. We all have dreams of what Christmas could look like and we begin to get wrapped up in what Christmas could be. And I wonder how many of us fail in the midst of the Christmas season to see Christmas. We get busy, right? We get caught up with the decorations, with the lights, with the presents, with the parties. And then what happens is we begin to compare ourselves to others around us. Well, at least we do on social media, right? We live other people's lives through their Instagram. This week I had something pop up on my timeline. It was a trip that Kasha and I had taken with our best friends. It was one of those dream vacations. Picked up in a limo, flew first class, all these different things. And, and the best part about it was is they blessed us with that trip. We found ourselves in there, and we literally were just posting these glimpses. It was a one-second clip of different things throughout the day. You would not believe the backlash that Kasha and I got from that one simple video. Because people were like, you don't understand, Pastor Brian, how jealous I was. It seems like you guys just traveled around the world, and that's all you ever do. And I'm like, we took one cruise. But what happens is, is when we live through other people's Instagrams, other people's social media, they always paint the good pictures, right? No one puts the real picture up. It's like this. I, I ran across this, and I was thinking about this moment right here. Just imagine a Christmas tree that's fallen. But yet, on Instagram, you could post the picture of the things right there. Look, look how beautiful the ornaments are. In fact, it says, hashtag, beautiful Christmas. We see things like this, like, oh, that's a beautiful Christmas, but you don't know the trees on the ground. Think about this. Maybe it would be someone posting a picture of something they've made for Christmas breakfast. 
Hashtag easy Christmas muffins. That doesn't seem too easy, does it? Toddler screaming in the background, kitchen a mess. Look at this one. Little boy in a little tykes car. Oh, it looks so cute. But for an hour, he screamed. That was most of the pictures. But the one we post, the one we put hashtag that was easy, is the one where he finally turned and smiled at the camera. Kind of. <laughs> I wonder how many of us are living through other people's Instagrams, other people's social media accounts, other people's accounts where we, we look at things and we, we think, man, I, my Christmas is a failure. It's Christmas fail around me because the tree's falling over, because the kitchen's a mess, because my kids are screaming, because we couldn't get the perfect family photo. Whatever the story may be, many times we can feel like it's Christmas fail because we like to paint an unrealistic picture many times. I wonder what the manger would have really looked like. I mean, we always show it with people all around and gifts, but the truth of it is is that Mary and Joseph were probably alone. In fact, we, we don't even know for sure if Joseph was there. I mean, we would assume he was, but we don't even know if he was there. Come on, first-time fathers. It's not like we get the pain in our stomach when that moment's happening. Joseph could have just been out. It wasn't like Mary could pick up the cell phone. Yo, Joseph, hurry up and get home. I'm having a baby. No, they didn't even have a home. Joseph was there because there was a census that had been taken. But here's how we would paint it on Instagram. It would be a picture like this on the side. I mean, look at, look at that cow right there. I mean, just the perfect spot right there, just right in the middle. He's knelt down. I mean, Joseph is lit up perfect. I think he's got a lamb in his hand right there. I mean, like all the... the the shepherds are gathered around. Oh, the wise men, they're probably in the picture as well, even though it took them like three years to get there. But we'll throw them in the picture. Hashtag complete story. But the reality of it is it was probably dark. Many scholars say it may have been a cave. It would have been dark. It would have been a place that no one probably would ever imagine giving birth to a child, let alone the king of kings. You know, I've never met a pregnant mom who ever said, you know what, no hospital bed for me, no room, oh, no problem whatsoever. Just, just, give, me, just give me some hay and some straw and just... Give me the place where the animals... I've never heard a pregnant mom ever say that. Yet that night was different. That night the angels would shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, the king has been born. And yet here's the crazy part of the whole Christmas story. And this is the first Christmas fail I want to focus in on, and that is this. The first Christmas fail was the fail to see. The fail to see. I mean, think about it. The King of Kings, the Savior of the world, God Himself is being born, 
And yet most people missed it. Most people missed the moment that we all would have loved to have been at. Most people missed the moment because of the season they were in. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 7, a famous passage of Scripture at Christmas time. You've heard Linus tell this passage of Scripture on Charlie Brown Christmas. It reads, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augusta that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David. He went there to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger. I'll focus in on this because there was no place for them in the inn. Here's what's crazy to think about. In the midst of the biggest family reunion, the biggest time of the year, the, the busyness, the craziness of everyone coming back. I mean, think about it. Everyone who was born in that area who was still alive had to come back to that town. The place was packed with people. Last year, Kasha and I decided to go to New York with the kids and with my sister and brother-in-law and their children. We decided that it probably wouldn't be that busy to go there on, or on December 30th is what it was. It won't be that busy. I mean, everything that's busy happens on the 31st when it goes into the new year. Well, boy, were we wrong, or at least I. The place was packed. I've never seen so many people in one city in my life. And we were being guided by a girl who lived there locally. And praise God she was there because she would literally say to us, she'd say, all right, here's the deal. We're going to stick together and we're going we're gonna to go and you just got to keep up. And I mean, this girl, like, she was like a cheetah running in and out of it. I mean, we're crossing, we're going against traffic, we're crossing roads. I mean, and I was like, she's a local, we'll do what the locals do, you know? Oh, the, the light's not ready for us? Oh, we're going, you know? Like, she just... She was going, and we're trying to catch up and everything, and we're telling the kids, just stay with us, because we were afraid, honestly, if, we, if one of the kids would have got lost, they'd still be lost today. Because there was no way for our kids to get a hold of us. They didn't have, like, cell phone, nothing. I mean, it was just, it was crazy. Jam-packed, people everywhere. And, and I have this picture in my mind that that was probably a little bit like Bethlehem. I mean, people are everywhere. People are all there. It's like a big family reunion. It's like, what? I haven't seen you in forever. Oh, my goodness. Everyone's busy. It's just like the Christmas season. Holiday parties. Hey, uh, you know, since he called for the census, party at so-and-so's place. 
Everyone's having all these parties. Everyone's getting together. Like any place that was open for people to stay, it's busy. Every place is packed. The stores are packed. The restaurants are packed. Everything is packed. Just yesterday, I was trying to get out across 223. I came down Division, got stuck at the light that was a bazillion miles long. It's the worst light in Adrian. There's accidents there all the time. Someone needs to fix it. I can't fix it, but someone else can. So if you can fix it, please fix it. We need an arrow there. You know what I'm talking about? We need an arrow. So that, that line gets so long, and then you've got to basically be like a daredevil to get out. And then all the people coming from Walmart, we know what those people are like. And so, like, you don't, you don't pull out in front of those people because Walmart people are crazy. Hey, I go to Walmart, so I'm one of them. But, so I get up there to light. I mean, because it was why? It was so busy. Like, on Saturday, it was so busy across town. So I did what any good Christian guy would do. I went into Lowe's because I had to go to Lowe's. Oh, nope, I don't have to go to Lowe's. And uh, <laughs> pulled up there to that spot, and I was, like, sitting there, and, and there's someone in front of me, and I'm like, oh, man, please, please let it be somebody who can get out. And praise God, they couldn't turn left, and they were like, I just can't do it. So they finally went right. And so I was like, mm, this is my opportunity. My minivan with the brand new engine in it. <laughs> Hit that puppy, got out, and made it. Got back to the church after we were Christmas caroling. I mean, it was just, it was great. And then there's that train. Anyone know about that train that keeps stopping over there on treat? What is that all about? I mean, I know if you're watching online from somewhere else, you're like, I don't I have no idea what you're talking about, Pastor Brian. But anyone in Adrian knows what I'm talking about. That dumb train, it like stops right there. And then you go up and you're like, uh, how long is this going to take? And you're like, oh, 30 minutes. It's like you turn your car off. <laughs> you get out, you change your tires, you rotate them, you know. It's like, <laughs> you do the whole works there. But here's the thing. It's busy. It's busy around town. It's busy around everywhere. But here's what's crazy. I think we could be much like the townspeople of Bethlehem. It's just like us. We get so busy, we get so caught up that we fail to see what's happening. Think about it. The Savior has been born, and yet most people missed it. I mean, royalty had a baby. His name is Jesus, and most people missed it. I mean, later in life, people would pack and line the streets. They'd pack the hillsides to hear this one speak, but, but not at his birth. No, they missed it. I mean, think about the innkeeper for a moment. Now, Scripture doesn't entirely tell us that there was an innkeeper, but we could assume that there was somebody who said, no, there's no room for you here in the inn. But here's what's even more crazy. The innkeeper is confronted with a woman who's pregnant, and we know that she's probably getting ready to, to deliver. Something's happening. Like, she's probably sweating a little bit. I mean, come on. Just imagine for a moment how pregnant women walk around. They kind of waddle around like this. I mean, listen, I've been working on this for this one moment right here. So I could, I could show you what a pregnant woman looks like right here. But they're waddling around and everything. And, and here's the thing I know about pregnant. 
Well, I assume. <laughs> and that is, is that when you have a belly, there's certain things that are really hard to do. Now, this is a complete side note, but I think you'll find humor in it, so we'll go with it. Any skinny people in the house really have no idea what I'm getting ready to say. You have no frame of reference for this. You've never experienced this. But those who have either been pregnant or carry a little belly understand that tying your shoe is one of the hardest things to do. I'm telling you, man, like, there are times where I will, I will sit down. Well, let's just say. Look at my shoes. There's a reason why they're slip-ons. I got some Christmas socks going here. How are, your, how are yours today, Case? Those are pretty good. Yeah, I wore these. Mm. But I put slip-ons, and then I can go like this with my pants, and then I'm good to go. But when I have to bend over and stay bent over for a period of time, it's hard with the belly. There are times where I feel like I'm going to pass out in my closet. Because I'm like, I can't, I can't get this sticky shoe tied. It's horrible. It's horrible. So all I have to say, Mary, you know she was feeling something. You know the innkeeper, those around her are seeing this woman in distress. They're seeing that something's happening. They're seeing her panting. They're seeing her processing through what's going on. And yet they fail to see it. Mary and Joseph find themselves alone. Verse 7 says, And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. There's no midwife, no assistance to Mary. The Bible doesn't even clearly tell us that Joseph is present. And listen, he's a first-time father. He may not have been there. Now, a lot of us will say, well, maybe that's just Jewish culture. No, no. The Jewish culture in the first century wasn't barbarians. They weren't like some uh, aborigine tribe where they, they tell the women, go out into the jungle and give birth to a baby on a banana leaf, okay? It wasn't, it wasn't like that. They would have been civilized, intelligent, educated, and above all, they would have been hospitable. People who cared deeply about human life. And so it was very unusual that a young woman would give birth and who was getting ready to give birth would be turned away from an inn and left to go to a stable. But yet, that's what happened. I'm struck with this thought, why? Why, why would this young woman, mother not there, find herself in a situation like this? What was it that everyone was missing? Why did they all fail to see what was unfolding in front of them? And then I began to think, that's exactly what happens with millions of people today. We get so consumed with activity, so consumed with the holidays, so consumed with shopping and going and all these different things that, that we fail to see what's happening around us. And it's not like the things that we're busy with are necessarily sinful activity. They're just things that keep us busy. They're things that prevent us from seeing. And so three things I want to share with you this morning that I think they failed to see. 
I think these are three things that they failed to see. I mean, the innkeeper failed to see him, the townspeople. There was multiple people in the Christmas story who failed to see these three things. The first thing that I want to talk about is this, is others. Others. You know, it's easy to fail to see others. It's easy to get so busy that we fail to see others around us. I mean, it's not that you don't see them, but you don't take notice of them. Think about how many people saw this pregnant woman walking around. She was young. She was probably afraid. There's no place for her to stay. There's there's nothing for her to be a part of, and yet no one is meeting the need that's there. And before we say, well, man, I can't believe those townspeople, I think that we could also fail to see the need of others around us. This Christmas season, you will be busy. You will be going. You will have all these things, holiday parties, family get-togethers. The place will be packed. People will be out and about. It will happen around you. Listen, busyness will come. But at the same time, there will be needs of others that will be around you. Families that will be in need. Moments where people will maybe face sickness in their home. Maybe moments of hospitalization of an individual in their family. Maybe moments of unexpected job loss. There will be moments where there will be need around you. And it will be in those moments where you and I will either see it or will fail to see it. I love the words of Jesus in Matthew 25, verse 35. It says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. It says, Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And he says, and the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it for me. It's interesting to think about how Jesus is literally instructing those around him to see the needs of others. But the beauty is, is the promise that's actually attached to it. If you'll see the needs of others, there's a promise that's actually already been given prior to it. If you look at verse 34, it says this, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now pause here for a moment. It says, come you who are blessed by my Father. We want to see the blessings of God. We want to receive his blessings. And it says you'll inherit the kingdom that's actually been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Listen, heaven is a wonderful place that's been prepared for you and I as followers of Jesus Christ. As, As believers, we have access to the kingdom of God. That is why we, in turn, help those who are in need. That's the promise that's attached to it. That comes, this verse right here comes prior to the verse 
that we just read. So it's this promise, and then it says that's why you then meet the needs of others who are around you. Because being a part of the Father's kingdom means that we see the needs of others. We don't get so busy, we don't get so caught up in things that we miss seeing the needs. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Think about that for a moment. Pleasing to God? Like we want to please him. We want to sh- him to shine his favor upon us so then we don't neglect to do good. We share what we have. Now here's the thing. Some of us think that we have to have a lot in order to share. Think of Barbara in our story. She thought that she had to have all the stuff like Joan had, but she just shared what she had. And look at the treasures that Joan found in it. Philippians 2.4 says, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Imagine for a moment if the townspeople, just one of them, hadn't failed to see the need of Mary. Think of how the story could have been different. At least you would have had another character in the story. At least you'd have had one more person whose name would have unfolded on the pages of Scripture. We would be talking about him today. We'd say something like, can you believe what Rachel did? She was the miracle midwife who saw the woman Mary in labor and came to her rescue. But that's not how it went. Why? I think people were just too busy. People were just too caught up in family. They were just too caught up in in good things. I'm not talking about being caught up in bad things. I'm just saying you get caught up and you forget to see others. The next thing they failed to see was this, is they failed to see the extraordinary. They failed to see the extraordinary. (laughs) Now, not all, but most. In verse 8 of chapter 2 of Luke, it says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And you will be a sign for you where you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And listen to this. It says, And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. It's interesting how many of them failed to see the extraordinary. Scriptures go on to say, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. But think about this for a moment. 
And I don't know that I've ever really thought of it to this message, but why were only the shepherds the ones who saw it? Why did everyone else fail to see the extraordinary? We don't see it. It doesn't say that people in the city were outside and they were, they were taking their trash out and someone said, oh my goodness, look at those angels out there. That's crazy. I mean, they're out there, they're singing. There's the extraordinary happening around them and they don't see it. The king, the creator himself, is coming to earth. He's being born. Angels are declaring it. The extraordinary is happening around them, and yet people are so busy that they miss it. And then I thought, it's interesting how God appeared to shepherds. Now, shepherds were outside of the city. The shepherds weren't caught up in the season. And because they weren't caught up in the season, they got to see the extraordinary. And I wonder how many of us today get caught up in the season that we forget to see the extraordinary. God himself left heaven and came to earth. It is so much more than Christmas trees with lights on them. It is so much more than decorations and presents Christmas is about the Savior of the world coming to this earth to be born to a virgin named Mary, to live a sinless life. He is the greatest gift. It is an, extra, it is an extraordinary gift that has been given to each and every one of us. Don't fail to see the extraordinary this Christmas. Don't be like the townspeople. Don't be so caught up in the season that you forget the extraordinary that's happening around you. And the third is this. The third is this. They failed to see themselves. But we'll put it in the first person. Fail to see yourself. You know, a lot of people will say this. They'll say, Jesus is the reason for the season. And before you hang me up as a heretic for what I'm getting ready to say, please listen to my words. I think the real saying is this, you're the reason for the season. See, Jesus didn't need to leave heaven and come to earth. There was, no, there was nothing he gained from it. He did not have to do it. The reason for the season is you. You're the reason. I'm the reason. My kids are the reason. Our neighbors are the reason. Our co-workers are the reason. The lost who is around us are the reason. Every man, woman, boy, and girl is the reason for the season. And what happened is, is people fail to see themselves in the Christmas story. You're in the Christmas story. I'm in the Christmas story. Because when God left heaven and came to earth, he was thinking of you and he was thinking of me. He said, the reason why I have to give all this up and come down here is for them. That's the reason. 
Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. Luke 19.10 declares it, and yet it's this context of the story where those words unfold that we talk about. He came to seek and to save that which is lost, but yet what Jesus was modeling for us in this moment was he was hanging out with a guy named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. And he climbed up in a sycamore tree to see what he could see. A few of you remember it. Some of you are like, you're weird. <laughs> nah, I'm just one of those church kids. <laughs> but Zacchaeus wasn't a good guy. Zacchaeus wasn't the guy who got invited over for the Christmas dinners. He didn't get invited to all the parties and stuff. No, no, Zacchaeus was a bad dude. He was the guy who, who took more, skimmed off the top, robbed people. He was a tax collector. I don't want to talk about taxes right now, but around that tax time here in the States, we all get grumpy. Zacchaeus wasn't a good guy. In fact, so much so that the religious leaders of the time were like, dude, I can't believe Jesus is hanging out with that guy. Like, what is he thinking? But Jesus declares these words. He says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. Why? Because from the Christmas story on, he was thinking of the lost. From the Christmas story on, he's been thinking of you and me. He's been coming so you and I could receive life. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Listen, each and every one of us, we've all messed up, we've all screwed up. And you're the reason why he came. You're the reason for the season. You're the reason why we celebrate all of this, because God saw to it that you would need a Savior. I love how the message translation uh, in verse 23 and 24 of Romans Three says this, it says, But in our time something new has been added. What Moses and the prophets witnessed to all those years has happened. The God setting things right that we read about has become Jesus setting things right for us. But not only for us, but for everyone who believes in him. For there is no difference between us and them in this. Since we've compiled this long and sorry record as sinners, both us and them, and prove that we are utterly incapable of living the glorious lives God wills for us, God did it for us. And then he says this, out of sheer generosity, he put in us the right standing with himself, a pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be. He did it by the means of Jesus Christ. You are the reason for the season. But it's easy. It's easy this Christmas to have a Christmas fail. It's easy to forget to see the needs of others. It's easy to forget to see the extraordinary that's happening around you. It's easy to forget to see yourself in the story. It's interesting that the story that was told in the early part of the gathering was about a young girl who discovered 
the Christmas room that was filled with simple things could have an impact on someone far greater. When I think about our lives and think about what God would want to do inside of us, I know what it feels like sometimes to fail. I know what it seems like to look at other people's lives and think, man, it would be great to have that. But many times you don't even know the story behind them getting to that. And if you did, you normally wouldn't even want it. I've seen men go after wealth only to lose their families, only to lose everything around them, but they got wealth. It would be really easy this season to get so caught up in the season that we would fail to see what's going on. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This Christmas season is going to be filled with distractions, busyness. But the most important thing that you need to realize and I need to realize this season is that we are the reason for the season. Jesus came to earth so that you and I could have eternal life. First gathering, we came to this moment. I was talking about it and there's an individual that has been coming to Bethany for quite some time. I won't tell all the story because people can put pieces together, but he's been coming for quite some time. I've walked through different seasons with him. I've seen God working on his heart and his life. But first gathering, when I said, man, listen, there are some who are in this room today, and and the reality of it is, is, is you're far from Christ. You may even know about him. You may know all the things about him, but you have not fully surrendered to him. You have not asked him to be Lord of your life. You have not, you failed to see yourself in the story. You failed to put yourself in that moment that you're the reason for the season. You're the reason why Jesus came. And I said, man, I know how to pray a real simple prayer with you that will help you get started on that journey. It's just a moment of saying, God, I surrender to you. Forgive me of my sins. Change my life. And in that moment, God does. He forgives you. He he changes your life. He gives you brand new life in that moment. You may say, how does that work? I don't understand all of it. I just know it's called salvation. And Jesus came to give you and I salvation. That is the whole reason for the season. So don't fail to see that. And I've known this man for over a year at least, if not longer, as he's been coming to Bethany. But I've never seen the moment I saw, but today I saw him raise his hand. And it was like the Lord in that moment was like, Brian, because that's what he calls me, he doesn't call me pastor. Brian, it's those moments right there. It's those moments that 
that I want to see happen all across Adrian. Listen, the gospel isn't just for you. It's been meant to give away. Don't be so busy that you fail to see yourself in the story. Don't be so busy that you fail to see the needs of others. Don't be so busy that you fail to see the extraordinary happening around you. People are being healed. Marriages are being restored. Extraordinary things are happening. Addictions are being set free. People's lives are changing. But what can happen is we can get so busy that we fail to see it. And so I've got to ask the question because I think that there may be some in this room today. Maybe you've been coming for a long time and you haven't taken that next step. You haven't surrendered and said, Jesus, come into my life. You've been watching him from afar, but today's your moment. I'm not going to ask you to come up front or anything like that. And I'll even ask everyone in the room to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment to give you a private moment. But if you're here today, or maybe you're even listening online, you're within the sound of my voice right now. Know this. You're the reason for the season. You're the reason he came You're the reason he paid the price. You're the reason he became the ultimate sacrifice. You're the reason why he lived a sinless life. You're the reason why he died on the cross. You're the reason he became the ultimate sacrifice so you can have a personal relationship with him. And all you have to do is receive it. It's a free gift. And maybe you've been holding off for some time. Today's your day. So if today, if that's you, if you'd say, man, I need to take that step. I need to accept Christ into my life. Maybe you've wandered far from him. Maybe, maybe you remember a moment when you were a child or a moment that happened earlier, but you know since then, man, you've walked really far away from God. Let this be a moment of just you recommitting your life to Christ. But if that's you today, I'm going to ask you just to do one simple thing. I'm going to just ask you to raise your hand just to say, that's me. That's me. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Come on. God's just, he's reaching out to you. Thanks. I see that hand. He's saying, listen, I, I'm, I love you. I, I, you're the reason for the season. You're the reason I came. Across this room, would you just pray with me and pray with others who raised their hand? And would you... Would you just repeat this simple prayer? Would you say, Jesus, right now, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Change my life. I'm tired of just knowing you. I want you to be my Lord, to be my Savior. I have a part in the Christmas story. From this day forward, I will do my best to live for you, but I need your help. 
I thank you for dying on the cross for me. In Jesus' name, amen.